educate my people in here and help them to solve the problems. Mm. I don't like to be one of the person who always hate about the past. Mm. Maybe it's a black dark moment for me at that time. Mm. But right now, it's my turn to help my people. Coming to Taiwan isn't always without its problems, especially for those who come as migrant workers. Next week, in the final installment of our conversation, Tony will tell us about migrant workers' rights in Taiwan and what advocates like himself hope to see change. Ladies and gentlemen, here's Shirley Lin with In the Spotlight. Welcome to In the Spotlight. I'm Shirley Lin, and today my guest is Candice Chen, who is the founder and CEO of Fluff. That's F L U V Fluff, uh, which is a sharing economy, pet care, and foster care platform. So, well. I will have Candice explain all that to you eventually, but let's meet Candice. Hi, Candice. Hello. Hi. And I believe that uh, you are from Taiwan, except I was born in the states. I was born in South Carolina. Yeah. Right. 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 And then, like eight months ago, you came back to Taiwan. That's correct. Right. Now, um, before Fluff, you actually had another business in the states that was, and which was selling a dragon fruit juice called Pink Matter Juice Bar. Pink Matter Juice Bar. Yeah. Okay. How did that start? Let's start with that one. I'm so curious. Now, first of all, dragon fruit is not grown in the states, so ideally they were imported. Why dragon fruit of all things? I have to start from the very beginning. I yeah, worked sure. at PepsiCo for a while as a manager, and I learned a lot being a manager at PepsiCo about how drinks are made, how consumer packaged goods are made. And I realized towards the end of my before I resigned at PepsiCo, I realized I wanted to create something healthy. <laughs> there are a mm. lot of unhealthy snacks and drinks out there, and I started traveling. Actually, I resigned and started traveling. I came back to Taiwan to visit my family, and when I went to a night market in Taiwan, I tried dragon fruit juices. They sell that a lot at the night markets, and I just fell in love with it. It was really tasty and really healthy, and I thought, "Oh my gosh, this is it! Maybe Americans will like this." Then I went back to the states, thinking, "Okay, I'm gonna make this happen. I'm gonna bring this amazing product to the states and get everyone to love it." We started doing R and D. I I just hit up some college friends and started developing the products. We formed a company, did some market research. Also,、oh, you were not on this alone. You had some friends doing it with you. Yeah, I had some、yeah. friends doing it with me. Although we kind of went part ways later on. In the beginning, they were helpful, but well, now now I know how to pick partners and co-founders. <laughs> it was a really good learning experience. We knew our target market was. Not gonna be Taiwanese because、uh, it was gonna be high end, it very pricey in the states.、Right. Dragon fruits are very hard to come by in the states, like you said earlier. We had to import it from all over the world, Guatemala. Yeah, 
You know, you could have picked any other fruit, but you chose dragon fruit, and it wasn't even grown in the states. So you were taking a risk over this. I mean, it was your very first, you know, startup. Yeah, and you chose something really, really challenging. Actually, because I saw an opportunity, and I, I had a lot of、uh, friends, American friends, American American friends, that were really, really into exotic fruits, exotic healthy fruits that were pretty,、oh. uh, just healthy things that that are Instagrammable. Because of the rise of social media, people like to take pictures of their food over there in the states. Back then, everyone. Wanted to take pictures of their food, and had something healthy. They want to have something healthy, you know. And I thought it's only Taiwanese people who love to take pictures of the food. It's everybody. It's everybody. It's all everybody. the world. Yeah. Yeah. It's everybody in this time of life. Yeah. It's <laughs> everyone loves taking pictures of food.、Yeah. So acai was getting really popular, and quinoa. Oh, this really exotic imported superfoods. Wow. I I don't think. I even know the first one you just said. Acai. That that's a really cool superfood. It's a it's a type of berry. Oh, okay. That can only be found in Brazil. Yeah, and everyone was having. Everyone in the states, they they just loves acai bowl. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's it got、okay. so popular. Now I totally understand why you chose dragon fruit. Yes. Yeah. And for those people who probably don't know, it's they come in two different colors, and it's a very Gosh, how would you describe dragon fruit? Well, anyway, there's one that's really more like deep purple color. The other one is like white, and the deep purple color can really stain your clothes. By the way, right? <laughs> But、um, it's、uh, it's very 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 flashy on the outside because it's got this fuchsia colored skin, very special, very colorful skin, and then inside is either you know purplish color or white, and you know, with thousands of seeds. Tiny, tiny seeds you can swallow, but anyway, yeah, nice and good. Okay, <laughs> really nice and good. It's a it's a superfood, full of antioxidants and yeah, yeah, a bunch、too. of vitamins.、Mm. The most important thing is it's pink. The purplish pink color actually caught everyone's eye in the states. In, yeah, in California, when we started selling it, dragon fruit just got accepted to be imported、okay. by the government. Just a few years before we started the business,、oh, so、okay. people were getting. They were still kind of unfamiliar with it, but、okay. you could get it at high-end markets, high-end exotic markets. I see. And acai was kind of dying. It was <laughs> it was trendy, but people were looking for the next thing. Oh my goodness! Yeah, and I, that's a very Taipei thing, you know. Things don't last very long, you know. It's like、yeah. a flash in a pan, and then they're gone, and then the next thing comes up, and yeah. And Taiwanese people just love to get in lines for anything and everything that they find a line in. They don't know what they're in line in for, but they figure it must be good. You know? Oh yeah, I, 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 I wait in line a lot in Taiwan. <laughs> That's the biggest difference. <laughs> okay. Anyway, so dragon fruit, and、right. you love yourself, and so you started doing it. It was just plain dragon fruit juice, or do you add anything to it? Dragon fruit. Actually, it doesn't have much flavor. No, it isn't.、Yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't.、Yeah. it doesn't. It just looks pretty and it's healthy.、Yeah. So we had to figure out a way to localize dragon fruit to Americans, and we did a lot of R and D, a lot of trying, and a lot of market research. We tried it with mango. People loves mango. You mean People mix love- dragon fruit with mango? We, yeah. Okay. We mix dragon fruit、hmm. with mango and some lemons, rose water because. It's also popular. Oh, <laughs> so 
Yeah, we mixed it with a lot of really cool local local fruits. So we mixed the exotic fruit with local fruits that people were familiar with in order to localize the products. You were really successful at the end, right? Right. So we actually started selling the drinks in West Hollywood, Mm -hmm. like Beverly Hills area. Uh Uh-huh. It's an area full. Oh, so eventually you moved to California? I actually was always in California. Oh, I was oh. born in South Carolina, but when I went back from Taiwan to study and work, I was in California. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was in California for over 10 years. Wait, you were born in South Carolina, and then how old were you when you came back to Taiwan? I was about one. I was really oh, young. Oh, all right. And then you were in Taiwan for elementary school Elementary years. school and some middle school years. Okay, so... I went over there when I was 14, 15. So that was when I moved to California. Right. You're listening to In the Spotlight with Shirley Lin. You called it pink matter. Pink matter, because dragon fruit is pink. (laughs) Right, pink matter. Nice name. Very catchy. So you offer different flavors, not just one particular juice. How many different flavors did you have? I'm curious. We had... On your menu. Five. Five, okay. Five flavors. Yeah. And there were... One shop? Just one shop or... We had a shop and we actually sold to a lot of grocery stores as well. Wow. So it became a wholesaler Actually, in the end, <sighs> that was when I exited. We sold to a lot of natural food grocery stores in California. <gasps> and it just became really popular. First, we started the farmer's market. Uh-huh. And that was when we were doing our market research, wanting to see how people would react to our flavors. Sure. And I remember our first month, we were giving out samples. And everyone on the streets, there were some of them... They would say, "Oh my gosh, what it, what is this? This is so disgusting." <laughs> and then and then we started finding. We're like, "Okay, we're doing something wrong. <laughs> okay, we gotta we gotta fix something up." So we started mixing with mango, uh-huh. and we started mixing with lemon, honey. People like it sweet in I the know, states. Yeah, but they also want yeah. it to be healthy. It's, it's a complicated feeling. <sighs> so we added honey, so it sounds healthier. <laughs> added honey. People like people started saying, mm, "This is really good." Oh, is this pink natural? And I would tell them, "It's completely natural. Yeah, it is completely natural from this super cool exotic fruit called dragon fruit. Yeah, it's super healthy. It's a super food." full of antioxidants and vitamins they would love it yeah yeah they were like oh my gosh this is so amazing where can i get more more of this people started ordering online and then we started talking to grocery stores and because we were based in west hollywood beverly hills area celebrities started drinking it oh really there were so many stars from netflix you might have heard of some of them uh even the kardashian family they've had it (laughs) so a lot of famous people have had our drinks and they would post it on their social media. Uh, kind of just went viral because of all the... We were lucky that we were at, the, at a location full of celebrities and that's the farmer's market that they go to. Yeah. And So after, how, many, how many years did you have this business? For about a year and a half. That's it? Yeah. So wow, it just went booming. It just yeah? went booming because the celebrities were very helpful. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. That was amazing. Oh, they were they were very they were willing to try new things and share oh, it sure. with all the fans. <laughs> all the fans would follow what they said. Yeah. 
Yeah, and you can still find it in California, all over California at natural food markets. It's ten dollars a bottle. It's kind of pricey. Yeah, but people still buy it. Yeah, yeah. Oh wow, that's great. Okay, so then you came back to Taiwan, but before you came back to Taiwan, you knew that you were going to start a pet kind of service. I actually didn't know. Okay, I didn't know. I came back to Taiwan just wanting to spend more time with my family. Sure. But I did know that I was going to start another business. Just I was looking for an idea. I was looking for an idea. Well, actually, because I always knew I was born to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> and I, after I quit my job at PepsiCo, I, that day I decided I was never going to work for anyone again. So uh. I already knew I was going to start another business. And I truly loved being an entrepreneur when I built, when back in the States, when I built that dragon fruit business, it was amazing, created something from nothing and brought something from Taiwan to the States. I feel like I wanted to make an impact mm-hmm. by being an entrepreneur. So I wanted to do the same thing back in Taiwan. I wanted to bring something helpful, amazing back from the States. And I, I was still looking for an idea. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was still honestly still still looking for an idea, but I, there were so many things back in the states that I wish we had in Taiwan. Like oh, a, like what? Like well, like a lot of really cool apps. <laughs> that, oh. A lot of really cool apps. Uh-huh. Yeah, a lot of tech related stuff. Can you name one? Yeah, like ClassPass is a really awesome app that connects you with stu- yoga studios. I'm a I'm a really I love working out. Oh, okay. Yeah, and I, but I don't like memberships. Okay. So with ClassPass, I was able to book a boxing class just on the app. If I want to go to boxing class, just book it real quick on the app, and I can go in the afternoon. Or I want to go to a yoga, stu- yoga class tomorrow, I can just book a yoga class real quick. And right. it's always cheaper than the actual price because the spots that they have on the app are usually the leftover spots. So oh, it's okay. it's almost like sharing economy in a way. When uh-huh. I mention our app about sharing economy, yeah. when you utilize all the resources, leftover resources, for a lower price, it's actually very good for the consumers. Also good for the business because mm. they're otherwise they will have empty spots. Mm. So that kind of sharing economy concept, I have always been in love with. Oh, all right. You know, actually, this thing is new to me. What is sharing economy, sharing, to, be, to be specific? Sharing economy is about sharing the resources you have okay. with other people. You can share it for profit, but it's always lower than the actual cost for the consumers. Just like Airbnb is Airbnb is a really good example of sharing economy. Oh, you have a room that 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 I understand. Yes, right. You have an extra room <laughs> at your house. Yeah, you can yeah rent out that rent out that room for a certain amount of money. Right, make money. But that room is always cheaper than a hotel room. Yeah. So we're sharing our resources with other people, oh. which is a really really good way to utilize. All the resources you have to make extra money, and it's good for everyone. Great, it's a win-win for everyone. Well, what about fluff that we start off talking about? Well, we'll get to that in the next episode. Join me in in the spotlight to speak with Candace Chan again next week. 
I'm Shirley Lin. Classic Shorts: Stories from Chinese History and Literature. Hello and welcome to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. Today we hear one of the most famous poems of the Tang Dynasty about one of the most famous love stories in Chinese history. Tang Dynasty Emperor Xuanzong mourns the death of his favorite concubine, Yang Guifei. She was blamed for an uprising against the emperor. After the emperor escaped from the rebels, his men convinced the emperor to have her killed. The poem is called "A Song of Unending Sorrow," written by Bai Zuyi. We read the first part last week, and now pick up with how the emperor felt when he returned to the palace without her. The pools, the gardens, the palace—all were just as before. The lake Taya hibiscus, the Weiyang Palace widows, but a petal was like her face, and a willow leaf her eyebrow. And what could he do but cry whenever he looked at them? Peach trees and plum trees blossomed in the winds of spring. Laka foliage fell to the ground after autumn rains. The western and southern palaces were littered with late grasses. And the steps were mounded with red leaves that no one swept away. Her pear garden players became white-haired, and the eunuchs thin-eyebrowed in her court of pepper trees. Over the throne flew fireflies, where he brooded in the twilight. He would lengthen the lamp wick to its end, and still could never sleep. Bell and drum would slowly toll the dragging night hours. And the river of stars grows sharp in the sky just before dawn. And the porcelain mandarin ducks on the roof grow thick with morning frost. And his covers of kingfisher blue feel lonelier and colder, with the distance between life and death year after year. And yet, no beloved spirit ever visited his dreams. At Lingchong lived a Taoist priest who was a guest of heaven, able to summon spirits by his concentrated mind. And people were so moved by the emperor's constant brooding that they besought the Taoist priest to see if he could find her. He opened his way in space and clove the ether like lightning, up to heaven, under the earth, looking everywhere. Above, he searched the green void. Below the yellow spring, but he failed in either place to find the one he looked for. And then he heard accounts of an enchanted isle at sea, a part of the intangible and incorporeal world, with pavilions and fine towers in the five-colored air, and of exquisite immortals moving to and fro, and of one among them whom they called the Ever True. With a face of snow and flowers resembling hers, he sought. 
So he went to the West Hall's gate of gold and knocked at the jasper door and asked a girl called Morsel of Jade to tell the doubly perfect. And the lady, at news of an envoy from the Emperor of China, was startled out of dreams in her nine-flowered canopy. She pushed aside her pillow, dressed, shook away sleep, and opened the pearly shade and then the silver screen. Her cloudy hairdress hung on one side because of her great haste, and her flower cap was loose when she came along the terrace. While a light wind filled her cloak and fluttered with her motion, as though she danced, the rainbow skirt and the feathered coat, and the teardrops drifting down her sad white face, were like a rain and spring on the blossom of the pear. But love glowed deep within her eyes when she bade him thank her liege, whose form and voice had been strange to her ever since their parting. Since happiness had ended at the court of the bright sun, and moons and dawns had become long in fairy mountain palace. But when she turned her face and looked down toward the earth and tried to see the capital, there were only fog and dust. So she took out with emotion the pledges he had given, and through his envoy sent him back a shell box and gold hairpin, but kept one branch of the hairpin in one side of the box, breaking the gold of the hairpin, breaking the shell of the box. Our souls belong together, she said. Like this gold and this shell, somewhere, sometime, on earth or in heaven, we shall surely. And she sent him by his messenger a sentence reminding him of vows which had been known only to their two hearts. On the seventh day of the seventh month in the palace of long life, we told each other secretly in the quiet midnight world that we wished to fly in heaven, two birds with the wings of one, and to grow together on the earth, two branches of one tree. Earth endures, heaven endures. Sometime both shall end, while this unending sorrow goes on and on forever. Thanks for tuning in to Classic Shorts. I'm Natalie So. to News Playlist. We've queued up some of the most interesting reports for you, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. Welcome to News Playlist. I'm Paula Chow, the program host. Today we are going to introduce robots. Did you know that Taiwan now has its very first unmanned coffee shop? The very first unmanned coffee stand in Taiwan has appeared in the central city of Taizong. This robotic coffee maker can scoop the coffee powder, brew the coffee, and even add cream and do latte art. The process takes 102 seconds from start to finish, 
a little over half the time it would take a human working by hand. But how does it taste? A reporter conducted a blind test. The conclusion is that the robot's coffee is the same every time, whereas coffee brewed by a human will vary depending on the customer's preference. Having your coffee made by a robot can cut down on time and increase production. However, one-of-a-kind coffee made by hand is something that a machine can never replace. Shirley Lin, RTI News. The Industrial Technology Research Institute has showcased new AI technology trends in Taiwan. This included unmanned stores for offices. You swipe your ID and then pick your product. Your purchase then shows up on the screen, and it will be deducted from your salary. The transaction ends with a message thanking you personally for your purchase and telling you you got a great deal. The process begins to work when you walk into an area monitored by a sensor. Pick your product, and the record of your purchase will be displayed for you. ITRI AI Retail Department Manager Chen Mingyan tells us why. This new technology is the way to go. The cost of vending machines is high. Even those that are not temperature controlled cost 160,000 Taiwan dollars. Our cost for unmanned stores is only one fifth, sometimes even just one tenth of the price. So we have this cost advantage. Other technology that was presented include AI uses for automobile safety, cloud technology connecting smartphone apps. Privacy protection, AI training systems, and renewable energy for batteries. ITRI ICT director Trigi Ke says that renewable energy needs to be saved. If you use renewable energy, then you need to be able to save it because there will be sunny and cloudy days. When you save solar energy from a sunny day, you turn an unstable energy source into a stable one. Trigi says that Taiwan's AI hardware technology already has captured a share of the global market. If Taiwan can integrate AI software and hardware, its share can increase sixfold to 100 billion NT dollars. RTI News, Natalie So. And what role do robots play at convenience stores? The Industrial Technology Research Institute in Taiwan recently invented a robot that uses artificial intelligence to conduct different tasks at a convenience store. It keeps count of the flow of customers in the store. If you have a package to send, the robot can even measure the size of the package for you and tell you how much it will cost to ship. It can tell the storekeeper what goods that need to be restocked. Finally, the robot can keep track of different customers and study which section of the store they stay in the longest. It can then recommend products similar to those a given customer seems to like. Shirley Lin, RTI News. And a team of students from National Taiwan University of Science and Technology has built robots that can play board games and assemble Lego pieces. The project is part of the university's efforts to prepare its students to meet the needs of Industry 4.0. This robot can accurately pick up and place chess pieces, and it has the intelligence needed to defeat human opponents in the game of five in a row to boot. It can even put together a toy from Lego pieces. This is the latest creation of a robot lab set up by National Taiwan University of Science and Technology in collaboration with local tech companies. Professor Lin Jingyan says robots will need to have more than just moving parts in order to meet the requirements of Industry 4.0. Robots will also need to execute complex movements and communicate with humans. These first steps into the world of intelligent robots are just the beginning. 
The university is trying to expand robotics classes and prepare more students with the knowledge they'll need to succeed in a world shaped by Industry 4.0. Jake Chen, RTI News. This is News Playlist, a weekly rundown of some of the most interesting news reports brought to you by RTI. Watch along on YouTube if you like, or close your eyes and enjoy these stories by way of sound. A robot caregiver developed by Taiwan has won an innovation award at the 2020 Consumer Electronics Show. The show is a global stage for consumer technology innovation. The robot will be showcased at next year's show. Senior citizens living alone in the future can rest assured that they will be well looked after. That's thanks to a robot caregiver invented in Taiwan. The robot can monitor the well-being of senior citizens and analyze their eating and exercise habits. The robots will relay the information they collect to the adult children of their charges straight away. This robot caregiver is the work of Taiwan's Industrial Technology Research Institute. It makes use of a technology called ambient intelligence. The robots are equipped with building sensors that can detect potential problems and notify adult children. This means that if, for instance, the robot's charges have a fall, someone else will know about it immediately. Institute official Chen Ruiwen says the robot is designed to look rather like a piece of furniture, avoiding the problem of discomfort that a humanoid robot might create altogether. And now we have a story about the nine-year-old girl with cerebral palsy. Thanks to a robot gait training system, the girl has been able to stand still with little assistance. Xing, a young girl with severe cerebral palsy, has received over 100 robot-assisted training sessions over the past three years. The robot gait training system allows her to stand still while holding on to a helper or object. Xing's father said she wasn't able to sit still in the past, not to mention stand. Her perseverance is also a crucial factor. Walking step by step, she is all smiles. She does not find the therapy tiring. Xing said she hopes to walk without assistance in the future and that the system is able to help more people. The robot-assisted walk-in therapy, consisting of 12 sessions, costs 2400 U.S. dollars. It is not covered by the National Health Insurance Program. Taipei Medical University Hospital doctor Zhen Songhui, a specialist in pediatric rehabilitation, said the system can help stroke patients, people with Parkinson's disease, spinal cord injuries, or children with cerebral palsy. To encourage Xing to continue working hard, her doctor gave her a pair of sneakers. And finally, we have a story about the first bionic legs developed in Taiwan. The legs allow the physically challenged, including stroke patients and those with spinal injuries, to stand and walk freely. National Taiwan University Hospital introduced Taiwan's first bionic legs to the public Wednesday. The bionic legs are a wearable mobile machine consisting of a powered exoskeleton. The legs allow patients to stand and walk without assistance. To start the device, the wearer sends a signal by pressing a black button on one of the walking sticks. The robotic tool is also able to monitor the wearer's movement. 
stopping automatically when the wearer is about to fall or lose balance. National Taiwan University Hospital Dr. Liu Honghui says the Taiwan-made device allows patients to stand and walk on their own. Unlike Japanese models that require the wearer to exert some effort before the legs will move. And that's all we have for this week's edition of News Playlist. I hope you have enjoyed listening to our show today. For Radio Taiwan International, I'm Paula Chow. Bye-bye. listening to Radio Taiwan International. If you have any comments or suggestions about our programs, you can email us at rti at rti.org.tw. St. Vincent takes its seat and on the UN Security Council as a non-permanent member on the 1st of January. And this is extremely significant for a country like ours. As I said earlier, our country is the smallest country ever to have such an achievement. Hello and welcome to this week's Underline brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. St. Vincent and the Grenadines is an island state in the Caribbean Sea and it has a chain of 32 islands with a population of 110,000. Taiwan and St. Vincent have had close cooperation in the areas of agriculture, health and medicine as well as education. St. Vincent has openly supported Taiwan's participation in the international organizations and in May this year, the Minister of Health and Environment for the Caribbean Island Group Minister Robert Luke Brown said at the World Health Assembly in May that the interests of Taiwan's 23 million people should not be held ransom by political preferences. The video went viral in Taiwan. To find out more, we are joined today by the Ambassador of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Ambassador Andrea Bowman. President Chai Ing-wen uh, visited uh, St. Vincent and the Grenadines uh, just July this year, mm-hmm. and she made a speech at the Parliament as well. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us more, Ambassador? President had a very, very busy day. Okay, <laughs> Her plane landed at approximately 10 a.m. at the Argyle International Airport, to which Taiwan has contributed tremendously. The plane landed there and she was greeted by members of the public and school children, you know, waving flags and so on. She then had a very quick turnaround at the hotel and then went to the prime minister's office where she met with the prime minister, our foreign minister, minister of foreign affairs. And they oversaw a signing ceremony for the agreement on public finance cooperation and an agreement on combating transnational crimes. This was in the cabinet room. So there was this mini meeting there. I had had the privilege of sitting in on this. Next, she visited the National Library, also another project of Taiwan, where the space at the library was used to exhibit 
different agricultural, medical, educational, social, cultural projects that Taiwan has contributed to. So she was able to see these on display at the National Library. She also visited our botanic gardens where Vincential cultural performances were presented. She visited Victoria Park where there was a performance by a Taiwanese acrobatic group, Formosa. This was very well received by our public. And then her day ended with well, you mentioned her going to Parliament, so mm-hmm. I didn't mention that again mm-hmm. because that was also very significant. It was she had, had an ex- inspection of the guard before she actually went into Parliament. It was a very official ceremony, and then after that, they they ended with a cocktail reception at the Prime Minister's residence, where the President was presented with the Taiwanese scholars for 2019. I think one thing that amazed. The people of Taiwan, which in a way makes people in Taiwan know Saint Vincent and the Grenadines is the Minister of Health and Environment for the Caribbean Island Group, Minister Luke Brown, said at the World Health Assembly in May this year that the interests of Taiwan's 23 million people should not be held ransom by political preferences. Unquote. This is what he said. <laughs> This shows that St. Vincent and the Grenadines has continued to support Taiwan's participation in international organizations, would you say so? Of course. And I realize that what allowed our Minister of Health to have the resonance that he had in Taiwan was his frankness. He was very frank in presenting Taiwan's perspective. And yes, St. Vincent is very much supportive, as I have been saying all along. When you have a relationship with a country for over 38 years, and when that country has contributed to the education of the people for that length of time, it is very difficult not to feel loyalty, not to feel gratitude. And what's more, as I said, the outreach that Taiwan has had in St. Vincent and the Grenadines is significant. So then our minister's sense of loyalty and his desire to express himself in that frank way is well understood because he's speaking for St. Vincent there and of course speaking for Taiwan and St. Vincent. Yes, and Minister Luke Brown openly said that PRC has no jurisdiction over Taiwan and mentioned that Taiwan used to be an observer at the WHA. Did you know that the video went viral here in Taiwan? Okay. (laughs) Well, I didn't realize that, but I know it was very impactful. Yes, because uh, this is how actually people in Taiwan started to know St. Vincent and the Grenadines. And because everyone admired the remarks made by Minister Luke Brown, Brown, because the video went viral on every, I think, social media here in Taiwan. Excellent. Yes. Yes. He, he was here. He was actually at our church service on the 20th. He spent two days here. He was here for the Global Health Forum. So he was here on the 20th and the 21st of October. And we were very happy to have him here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Next year, when St. Vincent and the Grenadines takes a seat at the UN Security Council, your country will be able to speak for Taiwan more, I believe. Yes, we will be. Yes. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And the voice at the United Nations Security Council... Could you tell us the significance of that, Ambassador? St. Vincent takes its seat on on the UN Security Council as a non-permanent member on the 1st of January. And this is extremely significant 
for a country like ours. As I said earlier, our country is the smallest country ever to have such an achievement. What's more, we were elected. We were elected. The fact that we were elected tells of the regard that we hold. And we were elected by, I'm sorry, I can't really um, recall the exact number now, but it was by a vast number. And that tells the regard with which our country is held. In campaigning for this seat, St. Vincent is not a rich country monetarily, but we are rich in integrity. Our country is rich in integrity. And it was our integrity that was used to propel us into this seat. Now, having got there as a result of that, we have to speak with strength and principle and pragmatism and this is what we are going to do for our allies for St. Vincent the Grenadines and also for small states small countries that are disproportionately Mm -hmm. affected by climate change and just by smallness okay very often smallness tends to be regarded as weakness in this case St. Vincent the Grenadines has, has shown that we aren't weak we are small but our presence is large. You're listening to Online, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Today I'm speaking with the Ambassador of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Ambassador Andrea Bowman. Ambassador, how many students from St. Vincent and the Grenadines? Because earlier you said about 30, more than 30 students uh, took part in the celebration. In the lunch. In that was just yes. in the How many lunch. of them are studying in Taiwan right now? About 100. 100, uh, 100 students 100 are students. in Taiwan now. We have 125 in Sanchez, approximately, give or take two, <laughs> in Taiwan. But with regard to students, we have 100 students. Mm-hmm. And you, you said uh, during an interview with uh, uh, our uh, partner, actually, the Central News Agency, that your first priority is to take care of these students uh, from your country. Could you tell us more? I must confess that may have been because I'm a teacher. But then what you must recognize is that our students, the strength of our bilateral relationship, the sustainability of, a bi- of our, our bilateral relationship rest with the students, okay? So we need our students here in Taiwan to be comfortable. You may have also heard me say that I want our embassy to be regarded by them and by Vincentians in Taiwan as a home away from home. Once our students are comfortable, they are going to be able to do as well as they could possibly do here. They're going to be able to learn effectively. So we need to take care of them. Our students, to me, represent how St. Vincent the Grenadines is going to move forward and develop. As you recognize, we are just 40 years of political independence. So we are young in a way, you know, because 40 years in the life of a country is not a long time. Mm-hmm. We need our students to be the best that they could possibly be in order to ensure the development of St. Vincent the Grenadines. Therefore, I have to take care of them. <laughs> mm-hmm. And your second priority is to promote 
Saint Vincent and the Grenadines through local media, of course, Radio Taiwan International included. <laughs> you also have uh, cultural events and exhibitions. The exhibition that you held, will you hold a similar exhibition in the future? Definitely. What I realize I definitely have to do is decentralize. Thus far, my efforts, at least the embassy. I mean, we only opened for business on the seventh of October, as you know. So we have to decentralize. We have to go outside. We have to go beyond Taipei. We have to. Take St. Vincent and the Grenadines throughout Taiwan. Our students are not only in Taipei, we have them all over the country, throughout the country. Thus far, I have attended two different graduation ceremonies of students. You know, we want Taiwanese to visit St. Vincent and to want to visit St. Vincent. So, in order to attract more Taiwanese to St. Vincent, do you have any plan? Yes, my plan is like what I'm doing here right now. Yes. <laughs> and also, we need to present ourselves visually. We need um, images of St. Vincent the Grenadines to be projected throughout Taiwan. People need to see what St. Vincent the Grenadines has to offer, what St. Vincent the Grenadines is about. People need to hear what St. Vincent the Grenadines is about. Mm. And of course, our students themselves, they are wonderful advertisements for St. Vincent and the Grenadines. All the ambassadors. All ambassadors. Yes. All the fact ambassadors. that you are a career educator ambassador, does it help you with your work as an ambassador? My being an educator, specifically a teacher, has helped me in that effective teaching must always begin where the learner is. And my coming here, I recognize first and foremost that I have to understand my environment. I have to learn my environment. And this is what I've been doing. And diplomacy, I am also learning begins with people and the formation of relationships. So I have been using, I would suggest, my teacher training, the fact that I know you have to begin where what you learn is, and that has helped me to navigate the course that I have taken thus far. You have been here uh, since August, and how have you liked Taiwan so far, coming all the way from a Caribbean nation to Taiwan in Asia? It's been a wonderful experience, as I say, an experience of learning, okay? Taiwan is a small country compared to other countries, but it's big compared with our little St. Vincent, and it's a first world country. I am very much impressed with the not just the breadth, but the depth of the development of Taiwan, not just technologically, but um, infrastructurally, more than anything else. I mentioned it before, but more than anything else, I am very much impressed with what I regard as the Taiwanese emotional investment in working well. Whatever is done, regardless of the status, I realize that Taiwanese work very assiduously. They're very much invested in working well. And I find that very impressive. Also, there is a sense of security that, you know, you get when moving from point A to point B. And that too, I think, comes about from the fact that people are dedicated to their individual task. They do their task well, and they're focused on that. And so it's just the 
the way the society moves, the way the society operates, I find that very impressive. Mm-hmm. So uh, which is why we are going to learn a lot. St. Vincent yes. the Grenadines is learning a lot. And Ambassador, I do hope that you will enjoy the rest of your stay for the many years to come. And um, with you here in Taiwan, the bilateral exchanges between St. Vincent and the Grenadines and Taiwan will further be enhanced. I sincerely hope so. This is why we are here for Taiwan to see us and for us to see Taiwan even more closely. And we've been joined in a studio today by the ambassador of St. Vincent and the Grenadines, Ambassador Andrea Bowman. And that's it for this week's On the Line, brought to you by Radio Taiwan International. I'm Carlson Wong. Thank you for listening. I'll see you next week. Goodbye. Thank you for listening to Radio Taiwan International, broadcasting from Taipei, Taiwan. Check out our website at english.rti.org.tw. Again, that's english.rti.org.tw for the latest news and features from Taiwan. You can also listen to our programs and watch videos as well. Our 60-minute English language program can also be heard every day at the following times and frequencies. In southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. Again, that's in southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 6180 kHz. And in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. Again, that's in Southeast Asia from 0300 to 0400 UTC on 15320 kHz. We'd love to hear from you. Please send your comments to P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Again, that's P.O. Box 123-199, Taipei, Taiwan. Or send an email to rti at rti.org.tw. Again, that's rti at rti.org.tw. Also visit us on Facebook. The address is fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International. Once again, on Facebook, we're located at fb.me forward slash Radio Taiwan International for videos, photos, and news of interest from Taiwan. Thank you once again for listening to Radio Taiwan International.